welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. I almost missed my cue coming in because I was drumming with the beat of Rhetoric. Our amazing original music was created by the band Rhetoric, and I, I was just I was caught up in the music, caught up in the tunes, and I almost I almost missed my end there. And I would have hated myself whenever I was doing post-production on this episode. I would have I would have really been mad at myself. But here we are. And with me as always. Someone who's never caught up in the beat and always in the moment. My co-host, Kirk. Yellow, yellow. Just want to point out, you said yellow at the top of this episode. I did. I don't know why. I don't know what came over me. I'm not a yellow a big... person. <laughs> there, that is a very specific type of person. It is says. a very specific type of person. Yellow. Yellow. <laughs> it's not I... the type of person that I usually like to cross paths with, if I can be honest. I try to avoid <laughs> these people. I mean, one day when we do officially write a screenplay and, and make our own movie, yes. someone in there will have to be a yellow person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you know a yellow person, we want to know about it. If you are a yellow person, we also want to know about it. We'll be hosting open auditions. It's that. a bizarre, very specific characteristic. Yeah, we want to know everything about you. What led you to the point in your life where you felt comfortable saying yellow to people? Instead of hello, why are you the way that you are? Um, yeah. And also, will you please stop? Those are those are the main <laughs> questions. We'll have some others as Importantly. well. <laughs> but uh, I'm your other co-host, Cam, and it is Popcorn for Breakfast. Back with a new edition of What's Poppin' Movie and TV News. We're going to be getting into some movie and television and musical theater news, which will be oh, yes. interesting for a little uh, a different flavor. Only because it relates to movies. Okay, we're not going to be we're not going to become like a Broadway podcast. Though we could do it, you know, Kirk. Sometimes oh, I think about that. We could do it easily. We could we could, we could sing any Broadway song. That's all we'll do. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to sing Broadway songs and put it on the podcast. That's, that's not what I had in mind, but oh, it's it's no? it's certainly an option that's on the table. Um, the uh, now I'm all uh, now I'm. Uh, <laughs> Now You're I'm envisioning thinking, that, and it's... What song is he going to start <laughs> singing in this next moment? Probably and something no, it, from Company. It's That's, not going to be something from Cats. I, I don't know any It'll of be Sondheim for sure, but uh, I'll never tell. But... Being alive. <laughs> I'll, I'll channel Adam Driver and sing Being Alive, um, including all of the spoken dialogue. But mm -hmm. this is our first recording... Uh, officially in February. We had some episodes released in February so far, but we recorded them on the last day of January. So we're recording on February. Today is February 7th, 2023. It's our first recording of Black History Month. So that is great. Great to be here. Uh, and we get the opportunity, a very timely opportunity, to celebrate one of the great black actors, performers, geniuses of our time in Viola Davis, um, because that is one of our topics of discussion. And I always love to talk about Viola Davis. So this episode could get really long. You're going to have to keep me in check, Kirk. But um, it's going to Welcome be... to the Viola Davis episode. <laughs> the Viola Davis special. Gentlemen. Yes. If you don't like her, you better leave. Get out. The door is over there. Uh, I agree. And I, nobody dislikes her. I would be. I would love to have somebody on the show who's like, like you with uh, Jared Leto. And, and me, yeah. I guess, too. Just, like, I do not like her. I think that she's terrible. I would just be so interested in that person. They're the same person that says yellow. The same exact oh, no. person. There's no question in no. my mind. <laughs> It'd be somebody who was really uncomfortable with uh, snot acting 
in mm. fences, which I yeah. love it. I loved that so much. Um, yep. They're also going to be uncomfortable with Jonathan Groff in the Hamilton pro shot. Yes. Of Hamilton. Of the, yeah. the spitting. Yeah. He, somebody who doesn't like any bodily fluids to be involved in their acting performances. And I get that to an extent, but there are times, there are times when it's called for. So, yeah, I was a big spitter. I, I recall uh, spitting on people quite a lot, not by, not on purpose, but totally just no. like in the moment, dry mouth or extremely salivated mouth. And it just happens. And it's, yeah, it's not your, it's really unstoppable. You're not trying to do it, but your, your focus is elsewhere. Your focus is on delivering the line. However, it needs to be delivered, right? It's not, it's not on how much you're, spittle is projecting into the audience that has spittle, that's, that's that, right that's not that's not coming across your mind and i respect and, that and if there's anyone to learn spittle and little nuances and when to release the tears it really is viola davis it and is. Her, her newest big win i think it's a very exciting time it is an exciting time so we've got lots of uh news to talk about we've got some other housekeeping to let you know about. First of all, our review last week was for Tar. We are going through um, in, in sort of these like off weeks where we don't have uh, a theatrical release that we're rushing to the theater to go see. We're going to be reviewing the remaining Best Picture nominees that we haven't reviewed yet. Last week it was Tar, so we're five down, five to go. Um, we'll be getting, we'll be reviewing another Best Picture nominee next week, so we'll get back on track and we'll have them all done by Oscar Sunday, which is March 12th. So you will be all cut up and you will know where we stand personally on each of the 10 nominees. And you can kind of, you know, judge your opinions against ours or, or whatever. Um, so that'll be a good time, but be sure to listen to our review of tar this week. We are reviewing a theatrical release and that is M night Shyamalan's knock at the cabin, which is his latest theatrical release. Um, M. Night Shyamalan, always an interesting director to talk about. Always interesting to talk about his films because he is, and I mean, I think I think this is a known fact, like a pretty divisive guy in terms of his yes. artistry. Like, I don't see a lot of people who exist in the in-between on M. Night. It's either like you love it or you hate it. Is that, I mean... Do you agree? Do you have you ever met someone who's in the middle on M Night Shyamalan? Yeah, or the or they've uh, they've ratioed him out. They're like, all right, mm, six, mm. Sixth Sense, and everything else is terrible. Or yeah. you might get like me, Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, and everything else is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's those options. However, you know what? I I tell you, I go back and forth on Signs and The Visit, which are very divisive films of his and i don't know I, maybe maybe i'm the person in the middle cam am yeah. i discovering this right now i have noticed with that too that like as time goes on i have started to appreciate some m night Shyamalan films not many i, I am one who i would not consider to be a huge fan of his work traditionally but there are films of his that i really like like the sixth sense um like unbreakable and one that i have recently sort of reconsidered my thoughts on is the village actually the village i think that that yeah. movie oh. has a lot of artistic I the credence visit? i meant the village yeah the I village no i meant the village <laughs> the village is really honestly i think it was a bit ahead of its time and i think that it was hurt by the fact that it was 
preceded by things like the sixth sense and signs. And so people were expecting that. And there's, there's no way to reconcile that expectation with the film that you get in the village. I think, I, I don't know. Right, right. The village, what people just hated is that, Oh, the twist spoiler alert. The twist is that they've been living in present day at all times. Yeah. Like actually that's a pretty good twist. That's a good twist. None, none, no one suspected it. And no. all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're just here. I mean, take um, uh, also spoiler alert. Actually, this is a big one. So plug your ears, Triangle of Sadness fans. Um, <laughs> they're, they're also in a place where they are, uh, they're, not on a, they're not stranded on an island. Yes. Okay, right? So there's, there's people, there's a resort, there's civilization. So it's, it's a good twist. Yes. I like it. It just wasn't as big a twist as he was dead the whole time. I mean, but that's, that is perhaps the greatest twist that yes. has existed. Certainly in like thriller horror. I don't know, but we're going to hash out a lot of M night Shyamalan talk in that episode. Um, but be sure to tune in for that later this week. It's doing really well in theaters considering what it is being, a you know, a non-franchise original IP February release type of film. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll get into it, but Kirk, before we get into all of that later this week, let's talk about what's going on in this episode. What's popping. Let's talk about the news stories we have whenever you are ready. I have been ready for as long as we've been recording. Love it. Let's go let's pop it up. All right, and the first story we're going to talk about is not Viola Davis, even though we teased it heavily. The first one is something that is perhaps divisive. We'll find out. And that is AMC's recently announced plan to basically enforce, or or not enforce, but to instate uh, site line-based pricing, dynamic pricing based on uh, where the seats are located in the theater. So they're calling it AMC Sightline. There are tiers now of pricing for tickets that include premium and value tickets. So those seats that everybody goes to when they're buying their tickets right in the middle, you know, few rows back, not too close to the screen, not too far back, those would be your premium and they would actually come with an upcharge uh, over the base ticket price. Whereas those seats that you really hope you don't get stuck with those, Oh crap. I forgot to order the tickets for Spider-Man no way home kind of seats at the front where you're, you know, you're breaking your neck and twisting your back and all of that. Those come at a discount over the base ticket price. So AMC, one of the biggest theater chains, uh, I mean, the biggest theater chain in the United States, for sure. And this is a big change, something new to the theater model that we've not seen, but we have certainly seen it in professional sporting events, live concerts, live events. Kirk, does this fit in the cinema? And where do you where do you fall on it? Well, I just want to say it certainly doesn't fit with AMC because, you know, I used to go to AMC to this place for magic i went there to laugh (laughs) to cry to care because i need that all of us need that that indescribable feeling that we get when the lights begin to dim and we go somewhere that we've never been before that's what i go to amc for not for split up pricing Mm. no no this is bizarre this is absolutely bizarre the only thing that i can appreciate about this rollout of 
sight lines, which what a terrible why why brand it? That's just weird. That's <laughs> it just is like weird. It is weird. Them saying how committed they are uh, to saying, all right, this is sight lines. You know, this is how we're going to communicate it to the customers. Dumb. But what I, the only thing I can appreciate is the front row seatings because there are you know two to three rows of every movie theater that are completely useless. That you're staring straight up. That you're you're going to have to see the movie again, but you want to get through it so that way you get through all the you go don't get spoiled and you get to see it in in real time so i can appreciate that part of it but the rest of it is absolutely bizarre because honestly the rest of the seats in my opinion are mostly the same unless you have some sort of gigantor amphitheater substituting as a regular movie theater which doesn't make sense to me at all so it's a weird move it's a super weird move especially when people are trying to get back to the theaters attract customers to physically come in and not wait for it to go to streaming. And that's it right there. Right. I think that's the, first of all, great Nicole Kidman reference. Loved it. I was, I I wasn't expecting it. I don't know how, I don't know how I wasn't expecting you to tease the Nicole Kidman AMC intro, but it caught me off guard and I have to give you mad props for that because that was, it was well done, but thank you. You hit the nail on the head in my opinion with the, (laughs) <laughs> the state of the cinema is this, you know, regardless of if this is the right plan, you can almost throw that out the window. Is it the right time? Doesn't the answer have to be no? I mean, the box no. office is still in the toilet. You know, whenever we say things like what we just said about M night Shyamalan's movie doing a good job in the box office, it's relative. It means it's performing well for 2023 or 2022 or whatever, but it's not, it's, it's not performing well by, you know, 2019 standards or anything like that. Right. So at a time where your competition, your, your, your main competition is streaming, right? At home entertainment, TikTok, YouTube, whatever, as well as streaming services. You can't charge people extra for comfort. You just can't. People want, you know, those seats are uh, the most coveted seats. And by the way, with theaters averaging like, I mean, based on just purely anecdotal, uh, qual you know, qualitative data from me going to the theater almost every week, uh, those theaters those those theaters are not full anyway. They they're like less than fifty percent full. Um, that's being generous if it's even close to fifty percent. And so those seats are available. So you're seriously going to charge your most loyal consumers, your most loyal patrons, extra now to go sit in the middle. And I know that their uh, subscription program, you know, a list They're like, you can see this many movies, unlimited movies or whatever that is right. excluded from this. And that's, that's fine. It should be, it would be even more outrageous oh. if not, but cancellations everywhere. Otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's insane to, at this time when movies theaters can't even be filled up that you have to like try to charge people extra for middle seats or, you know, if I was in that theater, I would just wait to see if it filled up, then move to the middle seats anyway, buy the front row seat. I don't know. This just feels like a mess. Exactly. That's And that's what people are saying. Um, they're saying that they're going to buy the cheap seats and then they're just going to go sit wherever they want, <laughs> not waiting. Yeah. And then causing absolute chaos. Yes. For the people who did buy that seat, you ever been to a baseball game, a basketball game, football game, and someone's in your seats and those people who have no regard for rules, they just get up and meander away. Well, 
I've been in a situation where it's been a assigned seat theater. Those people don't understand. They're like, oh, you just sit wherever you want. No. No. You bought <laughs> there a are seat. Assigned seats since 2010, I believe. Which <laughs> so, is the greatest change ever. I yes. love it. Love it. It is. It really is. But people are just going to jump seats. Um, it's going to cause way more headaches for the on-site staff, which, as we know, is already a struggle. It is a terrible time to do this particular change. One million percent. If I was an, a, a frequent AMC patron, which I am not just surely like purely due to the fact that there is just not one at a reasonable distance to my home. Yeah. <laughs> and there are many other options that are much closer. But if I was and this rolled out, I would buy the cheap seats and then move because I yeah. mean, we, we saw, we saw <laughs> knock at the cabin this week, you know, last night in a theater that was, 75% empty. Yeah, know? there were about 13 people there. And might I also say, <laughs> we sat in the middle of the theater, and we I actually jumped when I got there. I, I beat Cam by like two minutes. Yeah. I went to our seats. The seats were like, they're leather seats, but they were actually just like a cat had like destroyed it, had like <laughs> ripped out the innards. And I'm like, yo, man, we, we're changing seats <laughs> because it was unsittable. It was just bad. So imagine you pay the extra money for the perfect seat and it's just a disaster. So yeah, I don't know AMC. You've got quite the number of problems with this new, uh, new run here. With well, your, and you're with just, your you're, strategy. you're introducing problems, which I yes. just cannot understand. And it's like, Hey, you know what? Let's just throw a wrench into things. You know, <laughs> things are going great. starting to get back to normal. Let's just, let's throw a little wrench into things and, and shake up the movie theater going experience. I think that is a weird move, a really weird move, but I want to talk to the guy on the board who was screaming and pulling his hair out saying we cannot do this because that guy needs some support from yes. the audience. Yeah, you you know there were board there was at least one board member who's like what what are we talking about here? This is yeah. insane. Um, That's right. Yeah, shout out. Thoughts and prayers for that for that one who's fighting <laughs> sure, the good fight. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see how this plays out. I I mean First, you had the whole, I mean, we could have talked about this on this episode, but Netflix rolled it back. Netflix's whole, we're going to start making you check in at your home every 31 days to make sure, uh, which they rolled back. Um, maybe we'll see AMC roll this back. Who knows? Who knows? Hopefully. All right. That that Netflix thing was so goofy. It was just like so classic. You You know they floated that out there just to see what the reaction would be. And they, they buried it on some page where they hoped like they wanted that exact thing to happen. I think like somebody to see it and see how the public reacts. And then they can just be like, Oh that, yeah, that didn't end up on our website. I don't know how that got there. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you know how that got there. Like that was an intern project just to, you know, try it out, <laughs> learn the ropes of Netflix. Sorry. It was nothing. Yeah, what? I mean, who who are you trying to fool there? Maybe AMC will will do the same thing, though they did like a big public announcement of this, so it might be a little harder to yeah to roll back. We'll see. All right, let's talk about our queen. The queen stays queen, Miss Viola Davis. Who the reason we're talking about her is that in a well deserved turn of events at the 2023 Grammys. Miss Viola Davis was awarded a Grammy Award, which makes her, what is it, Kirk, only the 18th ever EGOT? That is correct. Number 18. Man, which an EGOT, if, if you're not familiar, is someone who has won an Emmy, 
Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. That's where the EGOT comes from. So her last win was for a Grammy, which was actually for, um, as it sometimes is with these multi-talented people, a, a reading of an audiobook, which in this case was was her book. So that's kind of cool. It was like her her memoir. Um, sometimes people do like guest readings, you know, the Morgan Freemans of the world, etc. cetera. Um, but she actually got to read her own book, which is uh, probably extra fulfilling for her. But she has also uh, been nominated for four Emmys and won one in 2015 for her show, How to Get Away with Murder. Um, she, of course, won Best Supporting Actress finally in 2017 for Fences after having previously been nominated for The Help, and then she was also nominated later, uh, 2020, for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, and she was nominated for one more thing that's escaping me at the moment, but she was... Was it uh, Doubt? Doubt, yep. That was the other one she was nominated also for. Also for Best Supporting, right? Yep. Yep, so she's been nominated four times. Uh, she won in 2017 for Fences, and she won, she's won two Tonys, um, both for Best Performance by a Featured Actress in a Play for King Hedley II, which was actually her first of the major awards in 2001, and then for the same role that she won her Academy Award for in the stage play production of Fences. So that's pretty cool. Um, Viola Davis, by winning this award, also becomes the first African-American performer to win the Triple Crown of Acting, which means that she has won an, a competitive award at the Emmys, Oscars, and Tonys. So has actually won a, an acting award at all three of those, um, which is an incredibly rare feat. And, you know, now is, is a perfect opportunity to examine the greatness of Viola Davis, one of our, you know, legends walking the earth amongst us right now. You always wonder, or at least I do, who are the people that are going to be the icons of our generation? Who are, who are the big stars that will withstand the test of time? Whose work will be looked at for years and years and years. Um, and I have to thank Kirk after the, you know, decade plus that Viola Davis has had um, bursting onto the scene here. She's one of these people that, that we're going to be talking about for a long time and whose performances will be studied and revered and, and, uh, I think this certainly cements her as one of one of the greatest ever. What do you it's think? It's true. The EGOT winners are are fascinating. They are a fascinating group of people because they they typically win in a big stretch of time like this. Not a single person has won like back to back years. It's usually like at least a ten year span between at least the the final one and the first one. Um, I also wish that the EGOT had been coined uh, maybe like. Uh, like or after Kobe was around because you have the letters E G O T. It could have been goat G O T E. And then yes. you could have just calling all these people the goats, but whatever. I mean, we'll start that campaign <laughs> and I like it. Try to get that role and whatever. Um, what I also love is that, yeah, you're, what you spoke to just now is like the p- iconic artists that you're going to remember for all time of this list of 18. There are people who I have no idea who they are in this list of 18, but then weird people stand out like John legend is somehow an EGOT winner. Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber. That doesn't surprise me. Whoopi Goldberg. I, I've always known that, but that does surprise me. So if you look back through the list, maybe we can post it later, but the, the list is it Mel of EGOT, Brooks is Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks is. He EGOT? absolutely is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and then there's other people who are like, why aren't they one, right? Well, typically they're just one award away, one award away, but they'll probably get it. It just takes so much time to get, as we saw 2001 
was Miss Viola Davis's uh, first one. And now here we are, 2023, and finally getting her her final fourth award, award. So it's a crazy eclectic list, but I really do look at this. And like you said, I say, that's the one. That's the one people are going to have the most visibility on. And that's the one people are going to connect with the most out of this list. Yeah, and it's one thing if you're a singer, you know, like that's it makes this competition very different. Still extremely hard. I mean, you're talking about winning a, an award at the highest level of acclaim, you know, the highest yeah. level of accolades in, in all of these different fields. But, you know, you talk about the Andrew, Andrew Lloyd Webbers, Jennifer Hudson's, you know, people who are musical. Well, music is in everything. It's on stage, it's in shows, it's in it's in television, in, in film, etc. So it, it makes it a little bit easier. So for her to do this purely on acting prowess alone just makes this a totally different ball game, in my opinion. And when you're talking about, you know, the great actors of all time, it's like, man, that cements her in the conversation. And here's the other thing, man. She's 57 years old. She's got a lot left in the tank. And in my opinion, should have been nominated this year. And, you know, she racks up a few more nominations. Um, She's at four Academy Award nominations right now. But, I mean, you get her – she's five away from Denzel Washington, who's been nominated for nine. I mean, that's the kind – that's what we're talking about here. That's what's on the line, and and that feels extremely attainable. You know, Denzel Washington, Meryl Streep, like that area, Jack Nicholson, you know, that that region of – nominations feels attainable and and if anybody's going to do it it's going to be her because the other thing that i love about viola and 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 that i just respect the heck out of her about as an artist is that she doesn't play she doesn't just play her hits she's doing new stuff all the time she doesn't she's not one of these actors who has like a patented thing that they can do you know like their little shtick and their little area of operating i mean the help Doubt, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Fences are very different roles and very yes. different characters. And then you look at what she did this year, where she should have been nominated, in my humble opinion, for The Woman King. And it's like, what can she not do? And I think the answer is that there there is nothing. There is no role that she can't tackle. Um, and that's that's why she is who she is transformative performances and that's what lights up the screen that's right exciting stuff from so Davis. that's what we wanted to do just acknowledge it you know it, this kind of thing does not come around very often uh and even though it's not like we don't have to give hot takes or anything like that on this it, it's we need we do need to take a moment to pay our respects to 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 one of the greatest ever uh while we still have the privilege of seeing her perform. So, and now we have an interpretive dance for 35 minutes for the next. <laughs> we should, second. but it still wouldn't be enough, Kirk. It still wouldn't be <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, Viola Davis, who has has joined the pantheon of uh, of so many amazing acting greats. Speaking of acting, I want to talk about something just really weird related to the Academy Awards and the Best Actor. Um, the Academy Award for Best Actress in a Leading Role, Kirk, I know you've been following this as well. Many, many people, uh, both of us included, were surprised to see that, um, uh, you know, v- sort of out of nowhere, Andrea Riseborough was nominated for 
uh, Best Actress in a Leading Role at this year's Academy Awards. And that's not to say that she's not deserving. I have not seen To Leslie, which is the film she's nominated for yet, so I can't even actually speak to it, but I plan on watching it soon. And I have no doubt that she gives an incredible performance that is deserving of this accolade or, or whatever else. But I think what is interesting and what the Academy is now investigating is how she got nominated because it appears that there was a grassroots campaign to make this happen. Now, this is different because you might be saying like, okay, who who cares? We know that there's campaigning at the Oscars. And that is true. Like, Kirk and I, you and I, we both talk about it. There's politics that go into it. Everybody knows there's politics, there's campaigning, there's four-year consideration campaigns, yada, yada, yada. But the Academy likes to keep it tight because they don't want a specific coordinated campaign happening for any one person. They want it to be based on the merit of the work and not a popularity contest, yada, yada, yada. So anytime you hear, you know, anytime the, the, the members of the Academy hear something about, uh, or, or I guess the Academy Board of Advisors hears about campaigns or strategic mm-hmm. efforts to get somebody nominated or a film nominated, they raise their eyebrows, and that's what's happened here. So Andrea Riseborough will not be stripped of her nomination, which would have been a horrible look um, and, and should not happen. Um, right. But this kind of thing, you know, the Oscars are going to try to crack down on it going forward. Kirk, what do you make of all this? It's certainly strange. I don't remember hearing of anything like this in recent years. Certainly nothing publicized because uh, I've read several articles on this because I found it so bizarre because it was in the news, but hushed uh, because it is a bad look because it's like, oh no, did we not do enough due diligence about this? But it really was exactly as you said, grassroots. It was like, hey, you know, we we really appreciated her performance. She deserves to be nominated for the Oscars and get this notoriety. She's been in notoriety. She's been in this business for a long time, and she's great. Um, most recently, if you watch the new Matilda musical, she's Matilda's mom. Like, she does an incredible job uh-huh. in everything she does. Birdman, she's been in some big movies, Nocturnal Animals, the little list goes on. So it, it really was like a bunch of people just kind of got together and were like, yeah, let's help her out. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it turned into, wait a second, that seemed, did she pay them? And no, it was all word of mouth. And so now the the Academy is changing its rules on what that looks like, on which is scary going forward for how much control they're having or clarity so that they don't get yelled at and for this to happen again. And, uh, and shocking that it's happened before in the past. And this is the first time I've ever really heard of nominations coming into question. I'd like to know uh, in research if there's ever been any overturned because of something like this, that would be fascinating. So I'm going to be looking into that this week. Yeah. I think it's so hard too, because like you said, you know, there has been, it's concerning turning over more, um, power over the nominations or more, more, you know, control over the nominations over to whatever the Academy board of advisors or the Academy rules and stipulations and things like that, because you don't want to leave people out who deserve it. But the sort of flip side of that is that when you have things like this going on, where it's not a level playing field and somebody's getting a push that they're not supposed to get, under normal circumstances, then it's like, look at who now is left out. Like the two 
glaring omissions to almost, you know, in almost everybody's opinion is Viola Davis for the woman King and Danielle Deadweiler for till. And so then it's like, okay, well now we've left out two African-American potential nominees. We had the Oscar so white situation. It just becomes a mess whenever you think about, you know, if somebody gets in that had a push that they weren't supposed to get, that means somebody was out and who was that person and were they, more deserving and it, it just becomes a bit messy. And I right. think what sucks the most is that probably the, you know, the person who feels weirdest about this is Andrea Risebra. Like she, yes. you know, she didn't ask for this. It just happened. <laughs> and, and now like her first Academy award nomination is wrapped up in all of this speculation and intrigue and, and controversy. And that sucks. It really sucks. And it's not, you know, it has nothing to do with, how great of a performer she is. Uh, she's fantastic. And it's just, it, the whole thing just kind of sucks. So I, I, I'm, I'm right now, I'm like, I almost wish the Academy had just like kept their mouth shut about it and investigated it like next year because I think that this is unfair to her. But I also wish that they could have foreseen <laughs> something like this happening and weighed in on it before it got to this point, because now it's just a mess. It's a mess. Right. Well, I mean, based on last year's Oscars, we know they're really good when things get tough, really <laughs> yeah. any kind of conflict. Yes. Uh. <laughs> they're, they're quick on their feet. They handle uh, situations with, with great agility and decisiveness. Yes. Oh yes. my gosh. Nothing gets past them, you know, like not, not even a slap on the wrist. You know what I'm every saying? Every year, man, every year there's some hilarious blunder. It's always, I mean, last year you had the Will Smith thing, which was a, an absolute disaster on every possible scale. Plus the whole Rachel Zegler not being nominated. I think people are not being invited. Yes. People forget about that. Yes. It's just like, they cannot run the PR of the Academy Awards. They just I mean, can't do it. Moonlight and, and uh, La La Land, oh my the gosh. big switch, you know, it's, it's all a big mess. It is man. And it's always something new and you're always like, really? That's, <laughs> that's what's going on. This so. is the most prestigious <laughs> award show. <laughs> oh man. It's, it's so crazy, but, but we love it still. We still, we still tune in. So <laughs> there you have it. But I just hope that, you know, luckily, I think in the future, hopefully, hopefully, it won't be looked back on that way and that she'll be an Academy Award nominee and she'll get to wear that badge of honor and that's all great. Um, it does suck for Danielle Deadweiler, who has not been nominated before. Uh, it sucks for Viola Davis, who could further cement her legacy and, and any other actor um, who could have been considered. But again, it's like the only people who are at fault are the people who started this thing and, and they didn't have impure intentions. So it's really just kind of the Academy's blunder yeah. here. And now you have all these victims of this unfortunate situation. So here's what'll be really, really sharp. Uh, what if she wins? Yeah, actually I think that would be good. Maybe it, maybe it puts the, maybe it puts all of this, you know, kind of to bed. If she we're going to be watching it soon here, we probably won't review it, but we will be watching it. And, uh, we can weigh in. You. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's uh, move on from that one and move on to our final topic, which was one that came out of left field. You know, we, we are familiar with uh, adaptations moving from stage to screen. 
and vice versa. But a lot of times it's it's like films being turned into stage musicals, like films that were not musicals being turned into musicals or films that had some level of musical component, like a Shrek or whatever turn into a, <laughs> a musical. But in this case, a full-blown movie musical that started as a film is making its way to Broadway. And that film is hilariously one that Kirk just mentioned in passing uh, when talking about the Oscars, and that is La La Land. La La Land. That's right. One of the most iconic. Kirk. Oh, sorry. I got carried away. got carried away. You got carried away. You got caught up in the Pasek and Paul magic there. Wait, is that who did the music? Maybe. Oh, geez. It's been too many years. It has been. But uh, La La Land is being uh, is going to debut on Broadway as a as a musical, and I think this is interesting because I don't you just don't always see this, and that movie is not that old, and I feel like again like a lot of times the the films that you see make the jump are things like Mean Girls, which was like not a musical, and then they made it into a musical or what have you, or obviously musicals that get turned into films. Um, so this is a little bit different and certainly a film that is still top of mind for many people uh, because it's, it is so recent, but what's your, uh, what's your take on this Kirk? Are you excited? Do you, do you feel like it's going to measure up or, or yeah, what? I like, I, I like what you just said about, you know, the movies moving into me, the musical world. It doesn't happen that often. Things that come to mind immediately are catch me if you can. Uh, find oh yeah. Neverland. And the the strangest one by far, uh, speaking of Meryl Streep earlier, and I think it's Clint Eastwood, uh, The Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Which is about a photographer who comes to town and has an affair with a woman. <laughs> it's the most, and then it's like supposed to be this big love story, but it's like, no, they're having an affair. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, so all, all of that to say that La La Land is a perfect jump. Like whoever said we could make this happen, Pretty smart. Pretty smart. I, I think that this would be just as magical on stage as it is in the film. Obviously, always going to be a little more, more magical in the film. But I'm really excited to see this adaptation onto Broadway. I'm excited about it. It was Paskin Paul, by the way. Um, you did it. I, I knew that. It just, you know, sometimes you say something and you're like, wait, was that a lie? Um, oh, no, it was John Williams. What was I thinking? <laughs> I don't know. I, I am excited about this. And this is, I have weird feelings. I'm like, you know, I mean, this is a top 10 film of mine, actually. I have it yeah. in my in my top 10 ever. Uh, this was like a movie that I saw and was immediately, it was just, it, it opened, it was like, you know, the head exploding gif thing with uh, uh, Gene Wilder. He's like, you know, doing the thing. Um, yeah that's how I felt whenever I watched this movie because the color, the music, the cinematography, um, Damien Chazelle's amazing. The, the way that he directs a film and um, actually two, two of my top 10 films ever are, are directed by him and he hasn't directed that many movies, but Whiplash and La La Land um, are, are in that list. And I don't see how a stage show could do what this movie does. I just, I, I'm trying to see it and I can see how it would you know, recreate some of it, but the magic will not be the same because this movie is about film, really. Like, it's about the love of Hollywood and movies and things like that. And so there are certain things that happen um, 
from a visual aesthetic perspective that harken back to so many of those old movie musicals, the singing in the rains of the world and, um, you know, just kind of like older Hollywood, you know, 1940s, 50s type stuff that it just, it, it, it can only exist in that medium. So it's not that I don't think it can be good. It's just the movie will be superior. And, and that's not always the case whenever you have, you know, those two mediums next, next to each other. A lot of times the musical, if it originates on the stage, it can't, the movie can never be as good. But this time mm-hmm. I really feel like the movie is going to be, it, it, it has to be superior just based on what it is. The most success that this one could have would be to stay in a New York theater because when these things, when shows that are very intimate go on tour, they play to giant theaters. It's the only way they can afford the whole company and cast mm. to come through, the whole company, cast, and crew. Uh, so things like musicals, but Wicked, right? Anyone can see Wicked in a house of 60,000, right? But you don't want to see La La Land like that. You want to be able to see the actress. It's kind of like uh, many years ago, we got the chance to go and see Once on Broadway. Yeah in New York, New York City. And it was wonderful and it was very close. And while that show did tour, I can't imagine it being as good when you're in such a close setting where you can really still see the actors' faces. Uh, that would be where this where this could not be as powerful. I could see that for sure. So I, I hear you. I hear you. I agree with that. This movie has a once vibe to it. It is, it is like a very personal love story. I mean, it's a love story between two people. That's ultimately what it is. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it will be hard to experience the same amount of, uh, you know, attention to that, to feel fully, to, to feel fully enveloped in it without having the, the close up intimate experience. So, right. Yeah. We're going to get front row seats. It'll cost us our entire, no, I was going to say, let's go to New York. Okay. <laughs> let's go to, let's go to NYC and see it in the right format before, it that tours. will also cost us our life savings, but yes, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it, right? Um, but I'm excited. I hope Justin Hurwitz gets to direct the pit or something because his his music is so incredible in this film. I, I just love it. And obviously, Pasek and Paul will be back on the lyrics to see if there's anything they need to tweak for the stage show. So that should be oh, yeah. a fun experience, but... We'll see. Hey, maybe Emma Stone will even reprise her role for a, a limited engagement or something like that. That could be pretty cool. Oh my gosh, she's that'd be so cool. She's taken quite a few spins at, at Broadway in the past, so you never know. You never know. They open the show with these two. I mean, honestly, it's going to be Aaron Tveit as Ryan Gosling's role. That's, <laughs> That's probably true. That's probably true. Oh, I love that. Um, so here for it. So here for it. If that's the and case. Anna Kendrick will play. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's go. Um, I'm buying the tickets. I'm buying the, buying the flights now. Let's go. Uh, so that's, that's that. And that is actually all that we have for movie and TV news this week for what's popping. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We've had an awesome time talking about it. Glad you guys could join in. If you have thoughts on anything that we talked about, uh, which I know you do because you wouldn't be listening if you didn't. Let us know. Uh, where, where, what did we get wrong? What did we get right? Uh, how do you feel about AMC's new sightline pricing? I know there are people out there who are avid AMC moviegoers. So uh, connect with us. On Discord is the best way to do it. You can join our community there and chat with us in real time or on all of our various social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. 
Um, as always, you can catch our episodes on YouTube if you're someone who's uh, traditionally listens to the podcast, or if you're a YouTube viewer who's out and about, you can find us on any podcast platform. But until later this week when we review M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin, we will leave you with the sounds of rhetoric, the band who created our amazing original music. Catch them anywhere you listen to music, Spotify, Apple Music, etc. And we will see you all later this week. Talk to you then. Talk to you then.